You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Um, Just as a word of warning, we're going to be hitting a lot of scripture this morning, so We don't have slides, so they're not going to be up there. If you're rolling old school and you brought your Bible with you, then, you know, get it ready. Um, If you're new school and you've got your phone, then get that that Bible app open, ready to go. Um, But either way, swords out. (laughs) Um, And I know that this is, I've mentioned this before, and it's a little bit long overdue, but I wanted to start this morning by saying thank you again for all of the prayers that were um, showered on our family when Charlie had surgery. It was 1st of July, but every time I think about it, it just, it touches my heart. You know, we say really often that, like, we felt your prayers. And it's really interesting how, you know, I don't know if we felt words in particular, but I know that what we felt was how intensely and how deeply our family is loved. And I think that's probably what we feel when we say, we felt your prayers. It's that in our prayers, the love of God for one another is released. And I know that in that time, in particular this year, we were overwhelmed with the love of God and we were overwhelmed with how much you guys love us. So I just wanted to take a moment at the beginning of this and say thank you again for how you cared for us during that moment. Um, And also to share something really interesting that he brought um, into Carrie and I's mind is, is in those seasons, you know, Dad has taught us so well that we are completely absorbed into Christ. So there is no distance between us. But we still have this soul that perceives and feels, and we have seasons where Uh, we feel very intimate and very close and seasons where the Lord is asking us to pursue him. Um, It's very interesting how in the seasons of deepest intimacy, when we feel so close and we feel like we're growing in our knowledge of him so quickly, that his mystery also increases in that time. It's one of the amazing things about our God that when we dwell with him in intimacy, when we know him more, when we understand his will more, the mystery of who he is, the mystery of how he can be that good, how he can love that much, it grows. And so as we are closer, he increases in size and his mystery grows within us. And it it just is a wonderful uh, relationship that draws us continually more deep, continually pursuing after him because the more we discover, the more we realize there is to be discovered in him. Um, I think we'll do praise and testimony at the end. Uh, That way, if it doesn't really translate to the live stream, then those who are tuning in can tune off and then we can just have a discussion time between ourselves. So um, we're going to pray and then we're just going to dive into what the Lord has for us this morning. Uh, Father God, we thank you that in your presence there is fullness of joy. And we stop in this moment and recognize and know because we can feel you in our hearts and feel you on our skin and we can feel the joy that is ours and know that you are here with us in this room. I thank you for Holy Spirit how you can deal so intimately with a small group. How you can come so close to us um, in a unique way when we are small in numbers. So we thank you this morning that there is a unique blessing for us in the midst of you today. I thank you that in this season you are uh, revealing to us your kingdom. That you are showing us new and clear ways to walk in, in, the king, in your kingdom and to release it into the earth. So this morning we ask that you bring revelation, you bring understanding, 
and you set our feet moving this year, um, releasing your kingdom and influencing the world around us with your goodness and with your love to a degree that we have never known before. We thank you for all that you have in store for us this morning, and we pursue it with joy in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, guys. How are you? Um, so there's, it, it seems like there's something very unique happening in what the Lord is speaking uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, every Sunday school lesson that Dad has brought, and every, uh, and we're, again, we're just three weeks in, but this has been happening preceding the new year. Every sermon that Pastor Parker has brought has been bringing revelation about the kingdom of God in the earth, either um, to the degree that we should see it or in practical ways to step and walk in it, to release it. Um, but it seems very clear that, the God, that God is wanting to make the functioning of his kingdom known to us in a way that we haven't experienced. And I don't know that I can necessarily proclaim it the year of the kingdom but it does seem very clear that the Lord is moving in ways in all of our lives and by the words that he is releasing that he is wanting to release his kingdom into the earth to a greater degree through his children this year it's very interesting to me that something as almost invisible as a virus can prove the kingdom Kingdoms of the world just prove how quickly they can be undone, right? Like, we can't, we can't see the virus with our naked eye. It's only in a microscope that we can discover what this virus that's affecting all of our lives looks like. It's really interesting that something that small, that invisible to our naked eye, has that much power over the kingdoms of the earth. Just imagine what something that really is invisible if it takes something almost invisible to impact every kingdom the way that it has in the last year, we, we are the representative of something that is completely invisible, a kingdom that is not seen. Hi, guys. Good morning. How are you? Um, I've already apologized to everyone else. I apologize uh, for starting on time. I know that's not our normal way of doing things. Um, but it's interesting that something that small can have that much power over the kingdoms of the earth when we walk in something that is completely invisible, that is far more powerful than a virus. Um, and, and I think, in my mind at least, this recognition has started um, Carrie and I in our home on a search at the beginning of this year for Ways that we, both in our neighborhood and within the church, can influence kingdom culture, can establish new things that we haven't done. It's just, how can we seek out the Lord for the way that he wants to release his kingdom in this season and in this coming year in a way that we haven't seen before in our personal lives? And I don't think we're the only ones asking this question. I don't think that we're the only ones, the only couple, especially in this church, but the only couple that's saying, God, show us our role in the kingdom and show us our places of influence that we might be more effective in them. Um, and so this morning, we're going to explore more deeply and explore the very first step in the first things in the kingdom of God. You know, we have been brought such deep revelation, such great understanding of how it works, but sometimes it's the first step that seems the most elusive. We have a heart that burns within us that says, yes, I want this fully and completely. I want this to be the testimony of my life. I want it to be the very expression of my entire being, the expression of my family. I want it to be what my children grow up in. But sometimes that first step, okay, I have this huge thing in my heart. What is the first step to giving birth to it in my life? Um, that's the thing we're going to talk about this morning, and then we're going to talk about some ways that it plays out and what it brings forth in us. So, um, in a way of starting that isn't really uh, on subject, <laughs> with the subject introduced in that way, um, I was really 
captured, I guess, or captivated by the way Dad talked about Psalm 16 during Sunday school last week. Um, uh, it was very interesting, to this, the discussion of a mictum of David, what that means. That, it, it, you know, that word can mean golden or something hidden, something precious, something high, something unique, or something to be searched out. So this week, I just dived into Psalm 16. We're going to read it uh, for a couple of purposes. I want to share a story that I discovered um, in my search that, that was brought out by this psalm but also we're going to touch on a particular phrase as we move forward. So if you, um, just by way of kicking things off, let's start and read Psalm 16. It's not that long, so we're going to go all the way through. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord, my goodness extends not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintains my lot. The lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good heritage. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Morning, guys. Um, so the story that I want to share is seemingly unrelated, and it may re- remain unrelated, but it is a story that, that testifies of the mystery of God and how wonderful he is. Um, in the early 20th century, um, there was a Native American famous musician. Um, his name was Chief Whitefeather. He was supposedly the grandson of Sitting Bull. Um, and... His mother was the fourth wife of his father, and she happened to be a Christian. And in in his youth, growing up uh, with his people, his mother taught him about Christ, taught him about the ways and the kingdom of God. Um, And then he began to travel uh, with his father in circuses, and it was discovered he had an immense talent for music. He attended college in upstate New York, became an operatic baritone, and became one of the most sought-after organ players on Broadway. He he was famous in the entertainment world. And then he suffered a series of tragedies, or his family did, and as a result, he threw himself from a moving train, a moving street train, into traffic in, in an effort to commit suicide. As a result of this action, he just broke so many bones in his body, including his back, laying paralyzed in the hospital, uh, unable to do anything else. Excuse me. Um, The words of his mother from his youth began to enter his mind and heart again. And laying there paralyzed in that hospital bed, he gave his life to Christ and was miraculously healed. His back healed, every bone that was broken healed. He stood up out of that hospital bed and walked out of that hospital and became a minister for the Lord. Now, while all of this is happening in America and in the life of Chief Whitefeather, um, King George VI is uh, taking and ascending the throne in England. He's a devout Christian, and so is his wife, Queen Elizabeth. And in 1939, something really historic happened. The king, the monarchs of Great Britain visited America for the first time. There had never been a monarch of England on American soil, not even during the Revolution. This was the first time it had ever occurred. Um, And there was a huge state dinner thrown. And um, morning. Um, A huge state dinner thrown. 
uh, FDR received them graciously, um, and they had entertainment that evening. And part of the entertainment was Chief Whitefeather. And Chief Whitefeather stood and sang a couple of, some reports say they were operatic arias. Some say that they were actually um, British national anthem and uh, a patriotic British song. And unscheduled in the event was what came next after he sang those two songs. Chief Whitefeather asked and said, may I sing something that is from deep within my heart? And without waiting for a response, began to sing. And he began to sing, sing Beverly Shea's hymn, I'd Rather Have Jesus. And it captivated the crowd, the whole mood of the event changed as the glory of God filled the halls of that event. And as he finished singing, Queen Elizabeth in tears thanked him. And this man in his boldness after singing said, Queen, I would like to ask you if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And through tears, her response was, some know about God and some know about Christ. But as for me, the Lord Jesus is my personal Lord, is my personal Savior. He is the owner of my heart. And the king said, I'd rather have Jesus too. It is an amazing story of the way that God works, the way that his kingdom functions, that we can go from hospital beds to testifying and singing before kings and queens. Um, and it's a good place to, to start to understand the very first and most important thing in the kingdom of God. And maybe that's the tie-in. I felt like it was an unrelated story, but just so good I had to share it. Um, it really captured my, my heart this week. It just all of the events that took place for this amazing moment to occur. Um, but it reveals something unique about God, and it also re reveals what is at the very center of his kingdom, and the thing that we most need to understand and pursue if, if we're going to walk in the things that he's calling us to. The most valuable and precious thing in the kingdom of God is the heart of the king. There is nothing higher. There is no place to attain in his kingdom, no thing to obtain in his kingdom that is more precious than the heart of the king. You, and you can see that in, in really any kingdom in the earth. right? In the, Dad used a, a story that Bill Johnson uh, used to communicate uh, some of these concepts about the kingdom of God last week in Sunday school. He said anytime uh, the Roman Empire would conquer a new people, they would bring in architects, engineers, they would bring in linguists, they would bring in artists and craftspeople, and they would go to work on the conquered city, making it look like Rome. Why did they do this? That was the question Dad asked, and you know, there's obvious like, we have conquered you, your culture is no more, the culture of Rome is your culture. But the real heart behind why it happened is so that when the emperor visited, he would feel at home. That testifies to the fact that the heart within that ruler is the most important thing within that kingdom. The whole kingdom revolves around it. And we have to understand that everything in our life Everything we pursue and seek to obtain finds its source, finds its power, its uniqueness within the heart of the king. There should be nothing that captivates our minds and our hearts, our beings more than that. Um, last night, about 11 o'clock, I was trying to put my finger on just how important the heart of the king is. Like I, I, it's an easy phrase to say, but it's difficult to quantify. What is the heart of the king? So I put on my coat in, in 28 degree weather. Carrie kicked me out of the house and said, go take a walk. It helps you. Because I was sitting there getting frustrated and griping. And 
you know, in a real uh, spiritual, I was handling it in a very spiritual way. <laughs> As I should have, you know. And so, I, you know, I stepped out and shook myself in the cold and tried to shake off all the feelings I had. And I opened up my phone and just said, you know what, I'll just record what comes out of my mouth as I ponder on the heart of the king. And here are just a few things that that, uh, found this list. The heart of the king is the center of gravity in the kingdom of God. It is from where all power flows. It is the source of the river of life. All beauty and glory emanate from it. All culture, all art, all expression within God's kingdom finds its inspiration in the heart of the king. It is the source of virtue. It is the seed that gives birth to the fruits of the Spirit. It is the light within the light, capital L. The heart of the king is the birthplace of knowledge and wisdom. The heart of the king is what ties all believers together. It is the joy that leaps within us when it recognizes itself within another believer we meet along the way. We've all had that experience. Sat down with somebody you don't know, next to somebody you don't know in an airport, start humming a hymn or discussing something that you've learned or share a Bible verse, and you can see visibly that person's physical nature change as they recognize that they're sitting next to another believer. That's the heart of the king within each of us, recognizing and bringing that joy. It's what happened in John the Baptist when he recognized Christ. He saw the heart of the king and he leapt with joy. If something is good, If it is right, if it is true, it originated in the heart of the king. Anything created at all was created through the heart of the king. The heart of the king makes dead things alive. It is what makes dark things shine. The heart of the king is the spring of humility. From the heart of the king, life flows. The heart of the king is redemption. It makes invisible things visible, even the father himself. The heart of the king is righteousness. And I felt like since this was kind of a stream of consciousness list from the Holy Spirit, that we better see at least some of these things in Scripture. So, swords out, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. And I ran out of binder clips, so I've got to get to it myself. There we go. Um, We're going to start in chapter 5. And and just as we read this, pay attention to how the things that that were in that list that we just went through are here in the Scripture. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And let's flip over to Colossians, which is right next to it. And we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 12. We're going to read to 19. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. Oh, is that right? Yep, that's where I want to be. Yes. Um, Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins, and, um, and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath quickened together with him. I'm reading chapter 2. That's not where I want to be. Sorry. Let's try chapter (laughs) 1. I was going so good and strong, too. Let's start in verse 12, chapter 1. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins? Who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. There is nothing higher in the kingdom of God than the heart of King Jesus. It is the very pursuit of our life. 
And in that pursuit, all things shall be added unto us. All things that are important for our practical walking out and demonstrating the culture of the kingdom. But we will never understand that culture. We will never understand the life that exists within the kingdom of God if we do not first pursue the heart of the king. Um, We will not enjoy this life we have been given. We won't enjoy it. I mean, I kind of experienced it that last night as I was trying to discover this understanding. It is easy to not enjoy the life we've been given if we for one second take our eyes off the heart of the king. Um, If we're going to live in the fullness of this life, the first step we must take is to fall completely in love with the king. Kingdom life begins there, and it goes nowhere else unless this one thing is first true in us. All of the hopes, all of the dreams, all of the things that we seek and want to see happen within our society, within our families, none of it is possible, and we will not take one step within it unless we do not, unless we, unless we fall in love with the heart of the king. You know, it's an interesting thing to say, but how can we cultivate such love? How does that occur? You know, in a, in a marriage, if love isn't cultivated, it dies. It's not like I, we say, I do, and the amount of love that we felt that day is enough to sustain us until uh, the end of the vow, right? Anybody who's been married more than about three days understands that fact. <laughs> it's just simply true. But the, the thing about marriage, the thing that God designed in it, is that we are supposed to fall more in love as we choose one another every day. As we grow more close together, love should increase and grow. Love is cultivated within a marriage if a marriage is going to be successful. There's just no way. I love Carrie more today than I did on the day that we got married. And thank God that that is true. Um, So how do we cultivate this love? It's the same. You spend the time. It is the first way to cultivate love of Jesus and love of the heart that dwells within him. Spend the time. It's easy because it's invisible to omit it from our daily life because the things that are visible scream so loudly at us. Jobs, bills that need to be paid, children scream real loud. Um, We've been in, Rose has been in quarantine for about 13 days now because she had a kid test positive in her class. She tested negative. But the CDC rules are two weeks out if any kid tests positive in that class. And so um, Rose is going stir crazy. She loves, loves school. And she is taking that out on all of us. So it is... It is easy for the things of life that yell so loudly to take that time away for us to surrender the time with the invisible for the things that are visible. But the first step to loving the king is to sit down with him. Spend time with him. Whether it's in a book that you're reading by some author that is uh, revealing new things to you, or if it's the Bible itself, or if, you know, reading puts you to sleep as it sometimes does, do, does me, then turn on music and worship and praise. But hold that time. Make it special. Make it unique. Just like you have date night with your wife if you can. You know, Carrie and I haven't had a date in five years, but we're trying. We'll get there. Um, But those times together that are unique, where it's just you and the one you love, cultivate that time with him. 
And in that time, pursue his heart, pursue the heart of the king, and you will discover things there. I mean, this list is 20 things long. But the heart of the king is like if you put your eye up to those kaleidoscopes when you're a king and you start to, when you're a kid and you start to spin it around, the colors and the patterns, the fractals change before you. That's the heart of Jesus. I mean, he created everything in the earth by the power of God through him. So there is no limit to what you will discover in the heart of the king. And another way, and this is not a, a, a exhaustive list. I've only got two things on it. So the second thing is we all watch videos on YouTube. We've all got it some app on our TV or on our phone, but we watch YouTube all the time. Just type in one time testimonies of healing, testimonies of Christ's love, testimony of Jesus's deliverance. And instead of spending an evening watching, I don't know, guys drop things off of a tall tower or just to see what happens or something about cars. You know, I, I watch a lot of that. Um, spend an evening with the testimonies of the goodness that originate in the heart of the king. That evening will always end with you edified. It usually will end in tears or there will be tears at some point. And it will, you will be renewed within your walk and you will be more in love with Jesus than when you sat down. Because when you love some, someone, you find yourself loving the things that they love. And those two things bind you together and they strengthen your bond. Um, and what we will find is that when we establish this first thing, our pursuit and deep and abiding love of the heart of the king, it will always produce one thing in us. And I don't want to say it's lacking, but its presence could grow. <laughs> Let's just say it that way. The first thing that a love with the heart of the king will produce in us is this phrase, here am I, send me. Let's turn to Isaiah 6 real quick. We're just going to read those first eight verses down through when Isaiah makes that confession before the Lord. King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from, with tongs from off the altar. And he said, it is, it, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? It's unique that they say us there. It is the, it is the Holy Spirit the Father, and Jesus. Who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. So in the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees the king. He catches a glimpse of that glory, a glimpse of that love. 
a glimpse of what is happening in heavenly realms because of that heart that dwells within the king. And what is his first response? When his lips are, are, are cleansed, which for us is the, symboliz- the symbolizing of our salvation, being purged of sin by his blood, and that love in that moment, what is Isaiah's first response? Here am I. Send me. Um, Let me turn now to the next page in my notes. There's only five pages of notes, and they're incomplete, but um, they're all very big text. Um, I went to the eye doctor because I was having trouble reading the smaller chord sheets, get dizzy in the midst of them. And I'm just the tiniest bit nearsighted. And Carrie, she's probably watching now, uh, gave me a hard time. Uh, I said, I need reading glasses. And she's worn glasses since elementary school. And um, I said, no, you don't need glasses. Just make the font bigger. So <laughs> we have five pages of notes. But I don't think it'll really take us that long to get through because I have made the font bigger. That's the wisdom of the Lord and my wife. Saved us money and allowed me to read. Um, so after Isaiah catches a glimpse and the angel burns his lips, purifies him, his first confession is, here am I, send me. This heart, at least as the Old Testament records, is unique to Isaiah. I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't just unique to him, but in terms of how the, Holy, in the Old Testament records, this, this is the first time and only time we see this, these particular words as a response to being purified. Here am I, send me. Um, however, this in the New Testament, because of the salvation of Jesus and that purification is extended to all of us, this is the cry of all of our hearts. This heart should not be unique. It should be the hallmark, the benchmark, It should be the brand or the mark in our forehead, as Parker has talked about. The thing that sets us apart. Right? Here am I. Send me. I have encountered the king. I have discovered his heart, and it has captured everything about me. Here am I. Send me. Let's turn to the New Testament version of this statement. Let's go to John chapter 20. I think it's where I want to go. John 20, verse 21. So we're, uh, the disciples are hiding, wondering what comes next, and Jesus appears to them. And he says to them, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. What a beautiful relationship we share with our Savior. Right? As my Father has sent me, so send I you. Here am I. Send me. Two hearts connecting. Um, You know, we have this commission that's in this, and it's easy to see it on the surface level, to read and to say, Jesus, the Father sent Jesus and said, go. And so he's telling us, go. Share what you've discovered. And and at some point, that's correct. Those are the words that are written here. But the spirit of what Jesus is telling us is that in the manner the Father sent me, so send I you. Well, in what manner did the Father send him? He is the light of the world. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So many things that we could say about Jesus that testify to the manner in which the Father sent him. And the manner, if you want to boil it down, the manner in which the Father sent him was to reveal or give a vision or visibility to an invisible kingdom. You know, he he tells the apostles, 
If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. To look at his life is to understand life in the kingdom. There is no other measure by which we can, can, can understand life in the kingdom. We, you know, there are, there are saints that have come past and we can read of their life and, and it's ongoing and ever revealing. But if we want the highest mark, we've confessed with our lips that Jesus Christ is perfect theology. The highest mark of the kingdom of God in earth is our Savior. He made something invisible, visible. That's the manner in which the Father sent him. As a light to illuminate the invisible in a world that is filled with darkness. And what Jesus is telling us is in that same manner, so send I you. We read often Matthew chapter 5, you are a light unto the world, a city set on a hill. Herein we find the functioning of how that's possible, how that's true. To just start at the beginning, the functioning is we fall in love with the heart of the king. It becomes the highest and most important thing in our life. And as a response, as we discover him, our lips confess, here am I, send me. As we discover him, it's, and it's not, like, it's, a, it's not like you have to do this, like, or you're a bad Christian, or you don't love him. It's more like, from that place of love, this grows. It is the natural response to his glory. It's not another set of rules that we have to obey or follow. It is the organic outcropping of falling in love with the king. When you fall in love with the king, it will produce, it, it will produce within you because that's his nature. And the first thing it produces is a heart for others because in the manner that the Father sent him, so sends he us into the world. Um, let's turn to Isaiah 60. It's a good time to read this passage. Come on, come on. We know it very well. It's something we read all the time. Starting in verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see all they gather themselves together. They come to thee, the sons shall come from afar, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. And it goes on and continues to testify of the things that will happen if we will simply arise. You know, that word arise is a direct connection to our um, resurrection in Jesus. That's the, that's the call. Arise. Arise from the dead and shine with the light that has been given you. Or, so send I you in the manner that the Father has sent me. To shine with the light that we have been given. And what will happen? Or, or why is it necessary for us to shine? Because darkness covers the earth. Understanding is lacking. Wisdom is missing. It is void of beauty. But when the light of God rests upon and shines from within those that love him dearly, that confess his name, then we read what happens through all the rest of Isaiah 60. The riches of kings and of nations are brought unto those that have this light. All creation... All men are drawn unto this light. And why? Because the wisdom that exists in the king, the wisdom that exists in the kingdom and in the life of the kingdom is far greater 
Anything that originates in the heart of the king that exists in the earth is far greater than anything in the earth. So these resources are being brought to the light saying, what do we do with this? How do we handle this? It's not just to make us more rich. It's to bless all the nations. That's what Isaiah 60 is about. It's not about us growing, blessing and growing fat and all the things that come. It's that from us will flow the wisdom of how to manage these things, how to have solutions in pandemics, how to, um, I don't know, take the next steps in a project that someone has or to help bring deliverance. These things are brought unto the children of God that shine with this light because the wisdom that is there is far greater than anything that is in the earth. Um, There's something I want to say here, and I hope that it lands the way that it's supposed to. And I don't want it to be confusing. But kingdom life is not a response to the evil or the darkness that is in the earth. It's easy easy for us to construe it that way for the same reason that it's hard to maintain a quiet time with him. Because all the things, the darkness and the evil in the earth, are very loud before us. But the kingdom of God in the earth is not, doesn't exist because those things are in the earth. It's not a response. It exists because he exists. It exists because, and it's not a response because before there was darkness, there was him. In all his goodness, all his glory, all his love, all his grace. So the expression of the kingdom in the earth exists and is because he is who he is or because the heart of the king is what it is. Does that make sense? So the instruction to us here is stop looking at the events of the world, the evils within it, to know how God wants to move or know what he wants to say or what he wants to speak to. All of us are guilty of this at some point in our life. That we hold hostage God to the events of the world. We hold his kingdom and his moving hostage to what's happening here. God, if you, if you don't do this, I don't know what we're going to do. I have said that in hard times in business. If this, if this doesn't turn around, we don't have a home. We don't have food, no clothes. If you don't do something... It all goes away. That's not faith. That's not understanding life in the kingdom. That's holding God hostage. Because I perceive that his kingdom exists as a response to my trouble. Or the darkness that I see. It's simply not true. His kingdom exists because it exists. And and his kingdom makes itself known because the heart of the king loves us. We can read in Matthew 25 of a really great example of what matters to God, what matters to Jesus, and what matters in his kingdom. It it talks about the judgment day, when we will be divided on the right and the left. And And the deciding factor, what is the deciding factor? I don't even have to go and read it. We all know it. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you took care of me. When I knocked on your door, you took me in. What does this reveal about the heart of the king? Doesn't care about world events or about darkness. He loves people. He loves us, all of us. Every soul that exists on the earth from the beginning to the very end of the story. He loves people. His heart moves toward them. Every solution that that we want for darkness, that every, every moment that we want light to arise in the world, doesn't happen because we stare at the darkness. It happens because we are fascinated by the heart of the king and his solutions, his creativity, his power, is revealed to us, and suddenly we have solutions that we could not have imagined. Suddenly we're sitting across the table from someone in tears 
because a burden they've carried since childhood has just been lifted off of them. The kingdom of God is not a response to darkness. That, ha- that, that response happened once, 2,000 years ago, and his name was Jesus on the earth. It was his sacrifice on Calvary. Darkness was defeated then. So the kingdom of God on the earth is not about darkness. It is about his love of people, how he wants to demonstrate his kindness. He's established that as something that is very important for us in our life and what he's doing in our church and through our church. He is moving with a fire of kindness. He wants to demonstrate his grace, his mercy, his blessing, his love. He wants to demonstrate his heart because it is to the benefit of all men. I hope that makes sense. What happens? What happens when we take hold of a vision of the heart of the king and we say, so send I you, we accept this commission to be sent in the manner that Jesus was sent from the Father. Well, suddenly some of those things, if not all of those things, framed correctly become, that were true of the heart of the king become true of us. We become the place from which his power flows. We release the river of life into dead places. We have the opportunity through his creativity to release beauty into the world. We get to demonstrate virtue and the fruits of the Spirit. We get to carry the light. We get to demonstrate his knowledge and wisdom. We become those who cultivate unity. Through a word in season or the word of power, we get to cause dead things to live. We get to reveal true humility. We get to proclaim his forgiveness and redemption. We cannot encounter the heart of the king without then wanting to share it. The heart of the king becomes a heat-seeking, heat-seeking missile within us looking always for opportunities to make his love and kindness known. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9, and we'll go to the very last verse. We're just going to read one. Where did Luke go? Oh, yeah, I have this one clipped off. There. All right, here we go. Uh, we'll start in verse 61. Um, I'm not, uh, we're not here so that I can change subjects and expand on what Jesus is saying to this young man. We are going to read uh, verse 62 as a way of, um, I guess, taking our understanding of what we're talking about this morning to the next step. So uh, just please understand, understand that as we take off into the, the next subject after we read this. Um, And another also said, Lord, I follow thee. I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now hearing that, let's go back to Psalm 16. I should have told you to put your finger in it and leave it there. But there's a particular phrase in Psalm chapter 16 that caught my imagination as I I read, that kind of came back to my remembrance as I read Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And it's the very first phrase in verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. It's a really unique picture, right? If you put those two images in those verses together, when it says any man having put his hand to the plow. Well, in that day, what is, the, what is the reality of farming? When you put your hand to the plow, what's in front of you? The source of power to pull that thing through the dirt. It's the rear end of an ox or a cow or something. Um, but the picture that, that is being drawn here as we put these two things together is we have something far more... Uh, beautiful than the hindquarter of livestock <laughs> that is pulling the plow through the soil for us. 
I have set the Lord always before me. I have placed the heart of the king before my eyes. I have taken hold of this plow. And anytime we talk about taking hold of a plow, what is their allusion to in that metaphor? The ground that we are plowing. We have all been entrusted a plot of ground. Through the course of your life, you will encounter souls that need Jesus. You will encounter believers in need of deliverance. You will be pregnant with words of encouragement for those who need to hear them. You you carry a word in season. We have all been given a life, and you can, to continue the metaphor, you can equate that life and the places that it goes and the people that it encounters as the plot that we have been given. And once we put our hand to the plow, what are we looking at? What is pulling us forward? It's the heart of the king. How in the world can we look back when that's what's in front of us? Right? When the thing that is pulling us forward in life, that is, that is drawing us into the place that says, let us cultivate in this ground the culture of the kingdom. Everywhere I go, let the life of the kingdom be released in my workplace, in the grocery store, in my classroom, in my home. Everywhere I go, let this culture be cultivated. This culture that releases blessing, that is goodness in the earth, that releases creativity to a level that is the heart of the king. Not man's best understanding or best ideas, but to his best understanding and best ideas. Wisdom unimaginable. We saw what it did through one man in Solomon. What if we're all walking around pursuing the heart of the king, operating in that wisdom? How blessed is the earth? How cultivated is that soil that we have that we are plowing? There are great and mighty things in front of us. And those great and mighty things are solutions to problems that are not yet revealed or problems that we're, also, that we're already facing. But we will never step into the wisdom of God. We will never step into the joy that exists, the fullness of joy that is promised us in His presence. We will never walk in peace that passes understanding. We will never enjoy life in the kingdom, unless we fall completely in love with the heart of the king. And we will find in ourselves a desire to be sent. Um, As I was thinking about an example, a very apparent example in the earth, um, the Lord brought me to a particular thing, and, and forgive me for diving into this. Um, but what he brought to mind was abortion. It is so easy in this room to find agreement on the evil of abortion. There is, there is not... A person in this room, if you love Jesus, it is so hard to be okay with ending life. He preserves life and creates it. It is so hard to be okay with that. Right? So there is no disagreement among us. We find our unity in agreeing on that. Um, And I'm going to say us because there's one body. And I'm speaking about the church at large, but I'm also speaking about all of us because there is no separation in him. We are all one body. Four years now, the church has made itself about the laws surrounding abortion. Our outcry regarding abortion has been law change. Right? I don't think we're finding any disagreement there. We can all see the voice. We can all hear the outcry. And while it's justified, it simply doesn't speak of the heart of the king. It simply doesn't. 
I cannot find in the example of Christ an effort to change a law, an effort to lobby a government, to change the laws of the land. And I know I'm saying some things that can step on some toes. But the heart of God in us that says, here am I, send me. And we read about what matters to him in Matthew 25. What should rise in the church is a cry that says, send me to the one who is considering this act. Bring them into my orbit. Bring them to me because I hold answers. If we want to see evil stopped, it's not because we change the laws of the land. It's simply because we love the heart of the king and we cry out, bring those to us. Here am I, send me. The natural outcropping of loving Jesus. We hold solutions. We hold wisdom. We hold new life. Light. Love the world has never experienced with us, and we walk around every day. Just walking around. <laughs> you know how silly that is? Like, I'm just walking into my office with no thought about the fact that I carry the fullness of the kingdom of God in me. I'm guilty of it every day. Walk in, put my mask on, walk in, sit down, and start working. Never pausing to say, Here am I. Send me. The solutions we seek, the goodness we want in our society, the goodness we want to exist in this room, the goodness we want in our families, exists because we love the king. Not because we hate evil. That's a result. That just happens. And things change because the love that is in us we cry out saying, let it be released through me. In these places that my heart burns for there to be change, let me be the change. Send me one that I can release this life to, release this love to. Bind my heart to theirs and let me walk through the duration of it with them. That's the solution of the kingdom being made through, known through us. When we love the king, we love people. Not the power they carry. Not the money they have. Not the clothes they wear. We love people. And we carry so many opportunities. We've put our hands to the plow. And we're looking at the heart of the king. And our prayer should be, in my next step, let goodness grow. Give me a seed to sow. Let me see the heart that is hurting at the table next to me. Here am I. Send me. Father God, We thank you for the power of your word to us this morning. We thank you for the understanding of the importance of the heart of the king. I pray that as we step from this place, as we wake up tomorrow, that just as we find ourselves loving our spouses more, that we would find ourselves more in love with you. Just every day more at wonder, or in wonder of the mystery of you, even as we grow more close to you. And as those things occur, let that cry emerge within us. Here am I, send me. I am sent in the manner that Jesus was sent from you, to be light to be loved, 
to be goodness, mercy, and grace. To make visible the invisible. Holy Spirit, empower us. Dwell within us. Rest upon us. Fill us with dreams, with visions, and new hope for what can be in the places where we work, what can be in our families, what can be in our society. Fill us with energy, supernatural energy. And as we put our hand to the plow, never let us look back. May we every day be fit for your kingdom, pursuing your heart and loving our neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.